You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, partner and certified elder law attorney at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, I'm speaking with Joshua Bay, one of the public benefits specialists at the firm. And we're going to be talking about why using Google to plan your Medicaid spend down could end up costing you a lot of money and heartache. Welcome, Josh. Hello. Thanks for having me. So Google's a wonderful tool, and we're not picking on Google. We're talking about any search engine, right, that people are out there trying to do it themselves by finding out information on the Internet. Sometimes they find out wrong information, and sometimes even if the information is right, it's about timing of when you do certain things to your advantage or to your disadvantage. Recently, we had a family come in and They had one parent in a nursing home, one parent in assisted living. Um, I think they were a little eager to simplify their life, and they sold the house prematurely. Why don't you talk about how that could happen and what all's involved in that? Thank you. So when it comes to, in that situation, again, the timing, the issue with that was, again, whenever you enter the facility, nursing home, that sets your snapshot date. So whatever you have in assets at that time, 10 cares will 10 care will say that's what, you know, you can only keep a certain amount. So in this case, they had less than the minimum amount. So 10 care said that what you can keep is $29,000. Anything, you know, more than that has to be spent down. So in this case, when they sold the house after the snapshot date, after he was admitted into the facility, they gave them in excess of of the uh, the twenty nine thousand dollars that TenCare said that they could keep. I think it was right around ninety to one hundred thousand dollars that they had in resources at that time. So instead of them, you know, waiting to get him approved first and sell the house, they, they sold it. So during the Medicaid application, they, the pending period, they sold it. So now they have to spend those funds down to the $29,000 that TenCare said that they can keep. So effectively what they did was the house is an exempt asset. So during the application period of time, if they, have additional countable assets, those are subject to complete spend down to whatever the allowable amount was at the snapshot date, the date of admission. So we've converted an exempt resource into countable assets, increasing the amount of assets they have to spend down, not increasing how much they get to keep. Whereas had we waited or had they come to us early enough, we would have advised waiting to sell the house until after the 10 care applicant was approved. Then 
it also depends on who owns the house, right? We need spouse-to-spouse transfer. We need to get that institutional spouse. That's a terrible term, but it's a 10-care term. Um, Off of the deed to the property so that the community spouse then sells that asset in their name only, which would have allowed them to keep all of the proceeds from the sale of the house. So timing is important, knowing when to do things, um, because it's important to save that money. We're not trying to cheat the government. We're trying to leverage resources to care for two old people that need to be cared for, right? Yes, ma'am. Correct. So, um, so that's important, knowing that, oh, timing it another way. It does not help to put all the assets in the well spouse's name too soon either. That doesn't increase their exempt resource, does it? Correct. TenCare considers uh, all assets owned by the, the couple, applicant and the community spouse, as countable resource. So it doesn't matter that that the community spouse owns everything at the time of application is still going to be considered a countable resource. So another mistake that we saw a family make recently was maybe sort of jumping the gun on a conservatorship. Um, a, a person with some, let's say, impaired capacity a conservatorship would work, but a power of attorney may have been uh, still something doable had we been able to get in early enough. And the whole and, and the downside of the conservatorship in that instance, we have family taking care of family, and um, again, the spouse was still alive. A conservatorship requires that person to go back in front of the court to get permission to sell the house or to transfer resources, even to your spouse. And so it just added extra work um, and delayed the the spend down plan. Correct. Yes, ma'am. So there's another caution. One, probably seek out the advice of an expert when you're doing Medicaid planning. Timing is important for when you do things. Three, don't jump the gun on a conservatorship. Um, it may just delay planning. Um, does shift control from family to the court, which is one of the things we tend to not like about that. Um, right. I think when people hear uh, that cognitive impairment, they automatically think that they can no longer sign a power of attorney just because they have, you know, some dimension, you know. And yeah, it doesn't. We need to know. Certainly there's times when a conservatorship is completely appropriate because right. they come to us and they they are completely incapacitated. They don't recognize their family. They can't verbalize who they would want to manage their affairs. Um, they don't remember who their family's members are. You know, we're not saying it's never appropriate. I wish they had planned earlier, but sometimes that happens, and that's what uh, needs to take place is the conservatorship. But just because there's a diagnosis of dementia or a diagnosis of impaired capacity doesn't mean they're not able to make any decisions. Um, All right. Caution 
and confusion about what can and cannot be purchased for spend down purposes. (laughs) Well, that's kind of, that's a kind of broad question that's been put to us because it really depends on the circumstances. Um, Let's do this scenario. So mom lives with daughter and she does not own any part of daughter's house but she just, she does live there and mom's husband, dad, is in the nursing home and we're trying to spend down. How much can mom actually invest in daughter's house in terms of renovations? We know if she's doing spend down, we already tell people they can spend down on their house. Well, she didn't own a house. What can she do? Well, when it comes to, uh, there's no particular number that said, like, you know, that, that TenCare says, hey, this is how much you can invest in someone's house. There's no particular number. You know, when I look at spending down and and you're spending down on using funds to improve your living environment in someone else's house, I think, you know, whatever you need to spend to improve your you know living environment, I just wouldn't improve the structure, the visual structure of the person's house. Like we wouldn't recommend mom put on a roof or exactly. upgrade the heating and air conditioning system. But if mom wanted to renovate her bathroom in daughter's house to make it more usable for her, that's okay. Right. hundred percent. Right. I, I personally think that that is okay. If, if, if mom wanted to buy new furniture for her part of the house, her quarters, that's perfectly fine. Now, again, I wouldn't go in, you know, upgrade the kitchen. But. Gotcha. That makes sense. I think. Well, what else can you think of that we need to warn people for today, Josh? Um, when you, uh, one of the things that we see a lot of confusion on is revocable and irrevocable trust. The, the difference how whenever, you know, just because that revocable trust was funded six or seven years ago, that does not make it exempt. The, the, the assets in the trust are not considered exempt. Yeah, because it's a revocable trust. I think that's one you know misunderstanding that we see a lot. So, a revocable trust offers no creditor protection during your lifetime or after your death, it, um, and that's just general law principles. When right. we're talking about Medicaid law, it's actually. Um, can take account an exempt resource and make it countable, such as transferring a home into a revocable trust. It loses its uh, exempt status as homestead. So it, it's not that it's the wrong thing to do, perhaps, but it may it won't work in that particular situation. So, not knocking revocable trust. Just know how to use them. Know what you're getting into. What's the pros and cons of different types of trusts. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. Are you good with that, Josh? I'm good with that. I think it was some good information passed along to our listeners. All right. Well, we'd like to thank you for listening to Aging Starts Now. Takus McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. 
thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging starts now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.